You may open your Bibles to Isaiah 55, please. The precious Word of God, given to us in our language, preserved and kept for nearly 400 years. We approach the 400-year anniversary of our King James Bible. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that have followed it in the English-speaking nations of the earth. So much so that English is taught as a second language in most nations of the earth because they want our language. And the few of among them that are the Lord's people want to be able to read this Bible. I thank God that He has been merciful to me to allow me to be a member of a church that loves the Word of God. And that would sit patiently, pleasantly, and even excitedly to the reading of those three passages of Scripture. So many have so little time for the Word of God, they would rather have entertainment and fables. But I thank you for that, and I'm thankful to the Lord for being part of this church, and I hope that we will always love the Word of God, and our children will grow up to know how much we love it. If we read the Word of God, and we had it read to us from Nehemiah chapter 9, how long did those people listen to the Word of God being read to them? A quarter of the day. And then they made confession of their sins for another quarter of the day. A quarter of the day is very plain. The Bible, that's three hours long. We'll be shorter today. But what a great passage. Then three hours confessing their sins and worshiping the Lord. Six hours. That's chapter 9. You know what's in chapter 8. They stood from morning until midday. Excited. Then they wanted to have a party. And why did they want to have a party? They want to have a party because they had understood the words of God that had been read to them in Nehemiah chapter 8. Praise the Lord for that. You just had some wonderful words read to you by three brothers. Fantastic words. Of God's grace to Israel, of God's grace to the Son of David, our Lord Jesus Christ, and free justification through Him, and then God's grace to Gentiles to hear the joyful sound. And Paul was the man God chose to do that. All the way to Illyricum, which is our modern day Yugoslavia. Paul preached the gospel everywhere he could and brought it, the good news, to the Gentiles. We have visited this passage many times before. We visited it for the repentance that is taught in it. We have visited it for the forgiveness that is taught in it, verses 6 through 9. We have visited it for the space of time to repent that God teaches in it, because the verse says in verse 6, while he may be found, and while he is near. God may not always be found, and he may not always be near, so we ought to seek him and call upon him while he is so, because he gives a space of time, and then he can withdraw himself and leave you to your own devices. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to you, is that God would give you what you want. Amen. We want God to give us what He wants for us. And we want Him to incline our hearts to love those things. We're not going to that this passage for that today. We want to consider the legal facet of salvation called pardon. It's found in the last word of verse 7. And while I had intended to preach to you the first five verses and the last four verses of this chapter... Because the first five and the last four are verses of prophecy about the gospel coming to Gentiles so that nations would want to seek out Israel for God's blessing upon them. And the great blessing that they had was told to Abraham in the beginning and was explained to us in Romans chapter 15. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that Gentiles have sought to Jews for. The Ethiopian eunuch was in Jerusalem for to worship. And he was riding home in his chariot reading Isaiah. And he wanted to know more about the gospel that was in Isaiah 53. And Philip preached to him Jesus in that place. And it was Paul preaching Jesus in Acts chapter 13 across the Mediterranean Sea in Antioch of Pisidia that we had read to us. I am going to pass over these verses because of time. Because I want to get into the abundant pardon that we have in Christ Jesus. Right. I have preached to you the first five verses before. And the point in the first five verses is why in the world would you ever spend any time, money, or effort for the things that do not satisfy in this world when the gospel is free of charge? We know it's the gospel 
And sometimes the Bible is clear to us when it tells us what verses may be applied to New Testament times. Here we know that because it refers to David being their leader and commander in verses 3 through 5. But Isaiah 55 was written several hundred years after David died. So what David is under consideration here? The son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. By prophetic metonym, where David is put for the son of David. And then in verse 3, it says, I will give you the sure mercies of David. That was what brother read to us from Acts chapter 13. This is a prophecy of New Testament times of blessing under the Lord Jesus Christ, though it's clothed in words that would be familiar to Israel. And that's why we have nations going to Israel, because the Gentiles have benefited. And the the book of Romans 15 is about Paul, a Jew, bringing the gospel to Gentiles. And he goes on to reason later in that chapter that Gentiles ought to be willing to send some money back across the Mediterranean Sea to those Jews, because if they're benefiting from the spiritual things that started in Israel, they ought to be willing to share some carnal things with those Jews. And verses, verses uh, 12, uh, 10 through 13, 10 and, 10 and 11 is a simple simile comparing two things. Rain comes down from heaven for a purpose, to put bread in your belly. And the word of God goes forth with a purpose. And it will accomplish its purpose, and surely rain and snow accomplish their purpose. That's what verses, it's all verses 10 and 11 are teaching. The Word of God will not return void. When God says something, it's going to happen. And what He said that's going to happen is what's in the first five verses about the Son of David being raised up and about the abundant pardon He has through Christ Jesus in verses 6 through 9. Then in verses 12 and 13, there is metaphorical language of mountains and hills and trees clapping their hands and singing, which is metaphor for happy, prosperous times. Because that is the Gospel era. The gospel is a time when we should be happy forever. We've sung that this morning, and we should believe it. And that's what Isaiah 55 is all about. The wonderful, happy times of God's blessing upon the Israel of God. The New Testament through Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the leader and commander of His people, with whom is an everlasting covenant that He will be our Savior and our King and our priest forever. But we want verses 6 through 9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The thought, the lesson that we want to get right here at this point is that God has abundantly pardoned His people, and we want to rejoice in the abundance of the pardon. The shackles have been broken. The cell door has been opened. We're taken to the street and we ask, how? You've been pardoned. A president can do it. A president can issue a pardon. President Bill Clinton that we had eight years ago pardoned 456 criminals during his reign as our president. 140 of those on his last day in office, January 20th, 2001. I want to tell you something about our present president. You might appreciate him a little bit more. President George W. Bush has pardoned 190 criminals. Now hear me. After they all served their full sentence, he mitigated or reduced the sentence on nine. That man is cautious and sober about pardons. You say, why would you need a pardon after you have served the full time? Because your record is clean. You are no longer a felon. When you go in and fill out a job application and it says, are you a felon? No. Why no? Because the president pardoned me. Praise the Lord. 
God did that for us. The high King of Heaven. Pardon them. It's an abundant pardons. pardon. Listen, I want to be so simple this morning. I know I've been to this passage. I don't lose track of being to this passage. We've been here for repentance because it says to forsake the, His wicked way. We've been here for forgiveness because it says the Lord will have mercy. We've been here for the, the space of time that God gives for repentance because it says while He may be near. But I want abundant pardon. I want you to be excited about God's abundant pardon of you and how you ought to abundantly pardon everyone else. And I want you to rejoice in mercy. And I want you to be cheerful about mercy. And I want you to be excited about God's mercy and about the mercy we owe each other. If you want to be happy, learn today's lesson in the First Assembly. Because if you hold a little bit of anger, a little bit of bitterness, a little bit of envy, a little bit of strife, a little bit of revenge... A little bit of pride. You are not going to be happy. And you are missing out on God's best. God's best is for those that will delight in mercy. It is the good thing that God requires of us. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. And hopefully we'll get to it. We just want to celebrate God's pardon and His abundant mercy and His love of it. The Lord gets excited when He shows mercy. Our God, He will abundantly pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts. We don't think that way. We begrudge forgiveness. We start reasoning like this. Well, they ought to show a few more fruits of repentance. I'm glad the Lord doesn't do that when I confess my sins. Do you know what He does? He forgives me. He is faithful and just to forgive me through Jesus Christ. Well, they should show a little bit more. We should wait a little longer. Well, I just don't want to throw myself there and fully embrace and forgive somebody that's offended me because what if they just trample over me and do it again i'm glad i'm glad the lord's never said that one because i've never confessed any sin once i'm sorry by looking at all of your faces it looks like you've got away with just one time thank you brother there's two of us That's how we think. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, if they would ask for it just a little bit more, if they would beg for forgiveness just a little bit more, then I'd show it to them. I'm glad the Lord doesn't do that. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Could you tell me David's prayer, David's words of confession in 2 Samuel chapter 12, and how long do they take to say, I have sinned against the Lord. And what did Nathan say back immediately? The Lord hath forgiven thee. Thou shalt not die. Sweet. I think a pardon got in there somewhere. The Lord had pardoned him. And we want to rejoice in it. If you want to be happy, you're going to learn about showing mercy. Mercy to your spouse. Mercy to your children. Mercy to your parents. Mercy to your brethren. Mercy to your neighbors. Mercy to your boss, your colleagues. Everyone. Mercy. Forgiveness. Pardon them. You've been pardoned. Second thing, if you want to walk with God and be more God-like and have greater godliness in your life and be more Christ-like, then you will love forgiveness. You will look for opportunities. You cannot achieve this grace of the Spirit of God, this fruit of the Spirit of God, without a situation where someone is under your thumb. They've offended you. They've hurt you. They've done something wrong. So you've got to be looking in your life Is there somebody that's wronged me? Oh, there's somebody that wronged me. All right. Not, oh, I'm going to get them. Or you lie in bed and you think about them. Oh, can you believe what they did to me? No, I have an opportunity. I'm going to forgive them. Somebody will say, but they didn't even ask. I know, isn't that sweet? I'm going to forgive them anyway. How many times has the Lord forgiven you when you didn't ask? Right. He's done it your whole life long. Didn't you love Nehemiah chapter 9? That though they said, let us make a captain and go back to Egypt. Can you believe a people wanting to go back to Egypt? When they were in Egypt, they were bellyaching to get out of Egypt. Now they wanted to go back to Egypt. And they wanted to reject God's offer of a promised land. And the Lord said He didn't forsake them. Let me tell you one thing. Israel better be thankful that Jehovah was their God and not me. Because uh, the manna would have dropped up. 
they'd had to go shopping. And there were, there were no Walmarts, food store, you know, there were no big Walmarts in the wilderness for them to find bread. But he kept feeding them and kept sending his pillar of fire and his pillar of cloud. Because the Lord is, loves and delights in mercy. If you want to walk with God and, ha- and, be, and show forth the divine nature that he's put inside us, then you will love mercy. And you will forgive everyone in your life and blow it all away and be happy with them all. He's done it for us. We should do it toward others. We want to delight in pardon. I hope a pardon is simple enough for you to figure out that it is someone in a position of authority that simply has the power to declare this person is no longer guilty. You know, it wasn't until 1970. I'm going to have some more to say in the second service about Lee Jackson Day. Does, Does anyone in here know about Lee Jackson Day? Oh. There's ten southern states that have a public holiday called Lee Jackson Day. You're living in one. When is it? It's the Friday before MLK Day. Can, do you think we may be able to figure out the two names involved with Lee and Jackson? Two generals of the southern states in the war of northern aggression. How's that for a Yankee? The Robert E. Lee and Thomas Jonathan Stonewall Jackson. Two other southern generals, Pickett and Longstreet, all four were born in the month of January. This month is called Generals Month to Southern Boys. And the Friday before third Monday of the month is Lee Jackson Day. I want to talk a little bit about that in a second, just, just, just a little tiny bit. Because you know what? There aren't any men like them anymore right. as a generalization. Those men feared God. You want to read a good Presbyterian that wrote a systematic theology? Go find one written by Robert Dabney. Right. Do you know who Robert Dabney was? The chaplain for Stonewall Jackson. Right. Do you want to watch a movie? I don't recommend movies very often. Once a year, this is my annual, Gods and Generals, put out by the pagan in Atlanta, Ted Turner. But it honors Stonewall Jackson and shows the love between him and his wife and their love for the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Right. For those of you that have seen it, you know that already. Yep. How did I get off on that rabbit trail? Listen to this about a pardon. I love the word pardon. And you know who chose the word Pardon. Not a King James translator, but God chose it for the King James translator to put down for us. The word pardon. Because a pardon is not something you receive actively. It is a declaration about you that frees you from all guilt, all punishment. The Robert E. Lee, the Honorable Robert E. Lee, was not pardoned by these United States of America for the crime of treason... Until 1975 by President Gerald Ford. But in 1975, President Gerald Ford pardoned the Honorable Robert E. Lee, General of the Southern Armies, for for, for the crime of treason against the Union. Now, you say, well, what good does that do? Listen, in in all legal matters, the declaration by President Gerald Ford carries all the weight. It doesn't matter what he did during his lifetime. He didn't have to be around to say, oh, I surely want that pardon and I surely accept it. And now that I've accepted it, it's all mine. God declares that we are pardoned through the Lord Jesus Christ. Those were God-fearing men. It's a shame that those who still want to think that the North had a noble cause had very few God-fearing men on their side like the ones on the side of the South. Why God tore this nation in half and caused brother to kill brother, maybe we'll not know till... Forget the Civil War. Our warfare is accomplished. Our warfare is accomplished because the Lord Jesus Christ has ended it and we're pardoned. Our pardon is God declaring us free from the penalty of sin by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for us so that He can be called the just and the justifier 
of him which believes in Jesus. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is evidence that God has justified us, pardoned us, redeemed us, reconciled us, and saved us with a holy purpose and intent from the foundation of the world. Because that is what the Bible teaches over and over again. When we had read to us in Romans 15 that the Apostle Paul did everything by the power of the Holy Spirit to cause the Gentiles to believe, you should understand that those Gentiles believed because they were ordained to eternal life. Because that's what Acts 13.48 tells us. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So everyone that believed among the Gentiles that Paul preached to was by the power of the Holy Spirit and the fact that they had already been saved, regenerated by the power of the Spirit through the grace of God. Amen. Because Jesus said that even if a man were to come back from the dead, it would be insufficient to persuade a man dead in trespasses and sins. Then why did Paul think, not bringing a man back from the dead, he could persuade Gentiles in Romans 15 to believe? Because it was only those that have already been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what a pardon is. But now we want to read about abundant pardon. Turn to Micah chapter 7. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You have already heard the Word of God this morning, but we're going to hear some more. Let's go to Micah chapter 7. The last chapter of the prophet Micah, toward the end of your Old Testaments. Obadiah, Micah, Micah chapter 7. In the minutes I have, we want to lay hold of some scriptures and delight our souls in them. We want to feed on the fatness of God's Word. Isaiah 55 says, come, don't bring any money. I've got honey and milk for you. I've got honey and milk for you. I've got honey and milk for me. It's from God's Word. Delight in it. You're pardoned. Oh, we're going to want to hear that when we stand before God, the judge of all. The great and dreadful God. That's what He's called in the Bible. The great and terrible God has declared us pardoned and free from our sins. And he loves to pardon. He delights in it. Oh, look at these verses. Micah chapter 7, all the way to the end. Now, there's some good verses tacked on at the end of some of these minor prophets, aren't there? Amen. Yeah, Habakkuk chapter 3, the last three verses. But let's see, we are here in Micah. Verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee? That pardoneth iniquity. You don't pay for pardons. You just get pardoned. Who is a God like unto thee? What God of the pagans have ever been like this? Do you know what you had to give the gods of the pagans in order to be pardoned? Your firstborn. They offered their children in sacrifice to the gods of Canaan. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? Look at these jewels. That pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. Who is a God that does things like that? There is no God except Jehovah, our God. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He delights in mercy. Who do you need to forgive in your life? Who has offended you? Who has bothered you? Who has hurt you? Forgive them. Delight in it. Blow it away. The Bible says this, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger. A wise man puts off anger, doesn't want to get angry about anything. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. You want to be a glorious person? Forgive him. Blow it away and do it with delight and zeal because this is the way God does it. He delights in mercy. It's exciting to him. It's pleasant to him. It's his choice. It's what he'd rather do. Mercy rejoices against judgment in the Bible. God's judgment is his strange work. Isaiah 28, 21. When God chastens his children and has to punish and judge them, it's his strange work. He does not willingly afflict the children of men. Lamentations chapter 3. He's forced to it by our sins. Do you know what he really wants to do? He wants to show mercy and pardon. He delighteth in mercy. Do you delight in it? Do you begrudge saying you're forgiven to anyone at any time? Do you even need? Just do it. You should delight in it. It's sweet to do it. It's sweet to God and it ought to be sweet to us. 
Verse 19, He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. That's the everlasting covenant that finds its greatest fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel era. God will perform and do all that he has said he'll do. But he'll turn again. He'll have compassion. And he'll throw our sins in the depths of the sea. That's pardon. It's hard to find them when they're in the depths of the sea. Listen, they had trouble. I don't even know if they have found the engines off that plane in the Hudson River yet. They found one that was still attached. Well, that was easy enough. It was still attached to the plane above the water. But why can't they find the others? You really think that an engine floats that far? Maybe it does, but they can't find it. But how about the depths of the sea? Praise the Lord. You know what these verses are in here for? To increase your faith. And to cause you to learn a lesson that we want to delay in right now. And that is to love mercy. And to show mercy with cheerfulness. And to get excited about mercy. You know, no one can, no one can hurt you when you believe what I'm preaching. Right. No one can hurt you because you just forgive them. How can they hurt you when you forgive them? How can you lie awake at night worrying about what they did to you when you forgave them? Because if you forgive them the way that God tells you to forgive them, you put, you put those things in the depths of the sea and forget about them. If you don't forgive... The Lord doesn't have to send a tormentor because you've got one in your own breast. It'll torment you day and night about what they got away with. can't believe they got away with that. Grit your teeth. Sleep apnea. Ulcers. And other pains of the flesh that result because you don't practice the morality of the Bible. And then the Lord will send his own tormentors. Because Jesus taught in Matthew 18, 34, and 35, if you don't forgive every man his brother from your heart, the trespasses he has against you, then your father will send a tormentor to extract from you every bit that you owe him. The Lord's forgiven us 10,000 talents. How in the world can we take a fellow servant by the throat and say, where's my hundred pence? You know this? I can't, I'm not going there to save time, but you, you know what? You know it well? I want my hundred pence. Because no matter how gross I were to get right now and describe some terribly heinous sin that somebody could do to you or a family member, the worst that I could describe is nothing but a hundred pence in comparison to the 10,000 talents against an infinite God who has done infinitely good towards you. So we want to be excited about mercy. And if you love mercy, then you are going to be blessed in your life and God is going to be merciful to you and God is going to be glorified through you. And this church can be greater than it is, although it already delights in mercy. And I'm so thankful to be part of it. But I want to lift us up even higher in it. Look at Micah seven eighteen. He delighteth in mercy. Don't you want to know what gets God excited? What gets God excited so that I can do it to excite God and be more like God? Right. He delights in mercy. He doesn't delight in punishment. He delights in mercy. And if you have misunderstood, or if I have poorly represented the God that I have preached to you for many years, I correct it right now because he delights in mercy. Now, there's two categories of people in the Bible. There's his children, and there's the children of the devil. And God does have a different attitude toward those two groups of children. We're talking about his children, and he gets excited. Turn back to Nehemiah chapter 9 that our brother read to us. Nehemiah chapter 9. Oh, let's get excited about mercy. Forgiveness. Yes, our God does. We can rejoice in it. For those of you that are afraid to confess your sins, I just can't believe that God will forgive me because I've done it again. He abundantly pardons. He delights in mercy. So come to Him and beg for mercy. Lord, all I can say is I need mercy because I've, done, I've committed this sin again. Come with boldness. He delights in mercy. He abundantly pardons. It's the devil that slows you down. It is not, it is not intelligent reasoning of your mind It is not the Holy Spirit that slows you down. It is the devil. 
And any of you that take one second longer to confess your sins than you ought to, it is the devil inside you. You open the door. You said, please come in and throw your fiery darts and I'm going to keep my shield down. Blast me with them. Pick up the word of God and believe it. He delights in mercy. You say, well, that's just impossible. That is why we went to Isaiah 55. His thoughts are not your thoughts. Your thoughts stink. And I'm glad you're not my God. And you're glad I'm not yours. I mean, that's because our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. We begrudge forgiveness. When somebody does it to us a third time in a row, are you kidding me? You're just going to walk in here and say you're sorry for the third time in a row? I don't think so. That's what we ought to do. That's wicked. I'm glad the Lord... You know, when I come to Him the three millionth time, He doesn't say, you've hit the limit. He forgives. You know, Peter tried that one time. Peter was better than most of us. He said seven. You know, and Jesus said 490 for starters. But then He went and did the 10,000 to the 100, 10,000 talents to the 100 pence, so we knew that He didn't even really mean the 490. It was just there for illustrative purposes. Right. Nehemiah chapter 9. Did you hear our brother when he read verse 17? Look in the middle of that verse. Thou art a God. Nehemiah 9.17. Thou art a God ready to pardon. He's waiting for you. He's ready to pardon. How long did it take the father when the prodigal returned home? Did the prodigal have to sit out in the cold in the yard for a few weeks and put a note every day under the door? Dear daddy, I'm so sorry. No, the father ran to meet him coming home in Luke chapter 15. And the Lord is ready to pardon. Gracious and merciful, slow to anger. Of what kind of kindness? What kind of kindness in Nehemiah 9.17? Great kindness. Great kindness. Then in verse 19, yet though they did terrible things in verse 18, verse 19, thou in thy manifold mercies, manifold mercies, many and varied, all kinds of mercies. Forsook us not in the wilderness. This is our God. We want to delight in it. Don't you ever hesitate in going to God. You're His child and He delights in mercy. Look at Jeremiah 50. Jeremiah chapter 50. Ah, this is our religion. This is Christianity. We forgive. Over and over, fully, finally, freely, and we forget because it's in the sea. This is Christianity. And it makes for happy people. It makes God happy. It makes us happy. You can eat yourself up by not forgiving. It's such a wonderful thing. It should lead to the happiest reunions when you forgive someone. Listen, do you know how many times? It's going to happen to you every day. Your spouse is going to offend you. You know the easiest way to solve a marriage problem? Forgive them. Right. Yeah, well, how can, if I just forgive them, they'll walk all... Oh, come on. If I forgive them, they'll just walk all over me. Oh, poor you. You've walked all over the Lord all your life. That's right. That's it. And you're walking all over your spouse all the time by not forgiving them. You're a hypocrite and a liar. Forgive them. Right. Delight in it. Be glorious. Why not be the glorious spouse since you think your spouse is so terrible for having offended you because you're so special, princess? Forgive him. This is the word of the Lord. It's the easiest way to solve a marriage problem. There's no money paid to a counselor. Oh, why don't you each lie on a sofa? What did your mother do to you when you were three? What did your daddy do to you when you were four? Did you ever get stood in a corner when you were in the first grade? Did you ever wet the bed as a child? Come on! Solve all your marriage problems. Forgive your spouse. Forgive them. What's the worst they can do to you? Two pence? I'm not going to get... No, there's no spouse in here that would do a hundred. Two pence? Jeremiah 50 and verse 20. Oh, brethren, we can lift ourselves up in the sight of the Lord by loving mercy because He loves mercy. He says, mercy rejoices against judgment. He says, when you show mercy, show it with cheerfulness. Romans 12. Jeremiah 50 and verse 20. In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for. 
and there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found. For I will pardon them whom I reserve. And he's reserved us because we're his children of a holy nation in the earth today. These were the recovered Jews from the Babylonian captivity. I'm going to go looking for their sins. But they can't be found because God had pardoned them. And when you're pardoned, there are no sins to find because the slate's been wiped clean. You know, in our nation, if the glove fits, you must acquit. you, You know, acquit is like a pardon. But that wasn't a pardon. That was just a poor trial. But the Lord does acquit through the Lord Jesus Christ. And without the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, He cannot acquit the wicked. Nahum chapter 1 verse 3, God cannot acquit the wicked. Because God cannot just overlook a sin and pardon a sinner. He had to have a substitute. And the Lord Jesus Christ willingly came and laid down His life for us so that God could pardon us. Our pardon comes with a price. And the price is the precious blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. He arranged it all. He arranged for the price to be paid to Himself by bringing the Lord Jesus Christ into the world to die for us. It's the glory and wisdom and power of God's salvation. Look at this. I'll look for their sins, but I won't be able to find them. Can you find a little minor prophet called Zephaniah? It's right in front of Haggai. Zephaniah, Haggai. Zechariah, Malachi. It's right there toward the end. Fourth from the end. Something like that. Zephaniah. Oh, I just want to... There's many. There's sweet jewels the Lord gives us to feed our soul. Forgive. Delight in it. He that, he that showeth judgment without mercy shall have judgment without mercy. Oh, you know what David said in Psalm 18, verse 25? To the merciful thou wilt show thyself merciful. Have you ever wondered why David got away with so much in his life? You ought to. I'm going to tell you one good reason, and it's taught throughout everything we know about David. He was a merciful man. Right. How many times did he stand over King Saul, his enemy, while Saul was sleeping, and his nephews were standing there just twitching because they wanted to pull a sword out and cut the man's head off because they'd been chased around like dogs through Judea? What did David say? Oh, don't you dare touch him. That's the Lord's anointed. I don't care what he's done to us. Don't you dare touch him. His time will come, but God's going to do it, not us. What did he do in the battlefield when Saul died? He wept for him. How about when the sons of Belial that rode with him wanted to deny the spoils of a victory to those that were too tired to go with them, and they had left them at the river, 1 Samuel chapter 30, at the burning of Ziklag. Do you remember? David stood against his own men. And he stood there and said, not a chance. Those men went with us as far as they could, and we are going to take care of them now, and they are going to split it equal. And it was a law in Israel from that day forward, because David said, for David was merciful. Right. When Jonathan died, he went looking for little Mephibosheth so he could take care of him, because David was merciful. David wrote in Psalm 18.25, To the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. David was merciful and God showed him mercy. Zephaniah chapter 3, look at verse 17. Here we are at the end of a minor prophet again. Look at the singing and shouting in verses 14 and 15 about God taking away their judgments and and their giving them a new heart. And he says this in verse 17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. This is the excitement God gets for pardoning his people. And while there was a pardon in Zephaniah that was applicable to Israel's times under the Old Testament and the judgment that God brought against them by their enemies, it also applies to the times of the New Testament when we are forgiven our sins through Jesus Christ. But look at God's description of Himself and the joy and the singing and resting in love because He loves and wants to show mercy and forgive and have that relationship united with a person that's been offended from Him and estranged from Him. The Bible is full of it. Look at Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. Oh, we want to rejoice in showing mercy. 
We want to do it with cheerfulness. We want to celebrate it. Because God shows it toward us so we can go to Him whenever we've sinned. And He will abundantly pardon. And we should show it to others. In our families. In our church. In our neighbors. Among our colleagues. Whoever our enemy might be. Forgive them. The Lord Jesus Christ sure did it on the cross. And we can do it as well. If you have the mind of Christ. Jeremiah 33 verse 8. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity. Whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities. Whereby they have sinned. And whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy. A praise and an honor. Before all the nations of the earth. Which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness. And for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Unto the nation of Israel, the people of God. I'm going to get myself a name. Now, sometimes the Lord gets himself a name by punishing an enemy. The Bible tells us in Exodus 9 and Romans 9 that God raised Pharaoh up to get himself a name by punishing severely, drowning him in the Red Sea, the greatest monarch on earth. But there's another way the Lord gets himself a name. And that's by the mercy he shows. And we want a name. We want a name as individuals. I want a name as your brother. I want a name for my family. I want a name for this church, that we are a merciful church, that we delight in mercy, and that we joy in it, and that we rejoice and we sing about pardoning offenders. Let other churches be full of bitterness and split up and divide and hate one another and have cliques and so forth. Let's rejoice in showing mercy and forgetting and burying trespasses. This is the Lord that we worship. He's done it to us. He wants us to do it to others. And He tells us how He does it. And let's procure some good to them. Let's do some good things for them. Oh, there's so many. Jeremiah 3. There's many other places that we can go to. It's my fault. Poor time management. But if you want more verses, I've got more verses for you. If you want to read through a bunch more and delight in them. They fed my soul. My poor wife last night, she didn't know what was happening in our living room. I was so wound up. Because it's a panacea for so many problems to love mercy. And to have the mercy of God in your life and to forgive. No one can hurt you if you forgive them. I like win-win situations. You win-win when you forgive. Jeremiah 3. You know when it... Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. My ways and my thoughts are higher than your ways and your thoughts, as high as the heaven is above the earth. There is no comparison between the way I think about pardon and forgiveness and the way you think about it. You begrudge it. You're partial in it. You only do it a few times. You want to see more from them. You want to get a pound of flesh. These are all our thoughts and our ways. His are totally different. He rejoices in showing it. Oh, they're repenting. Beat, son. Be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. That is my Savior. Not son. You really seem to have a problem with sin. You make confession again. And I'll think about it. Son, don't tell me you've done it again. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. I'm going to go over it again. You say to yourself, that's impossible. Nobody can forgive that fast. Nobody, for, nobody can forgive that fast and mean it. That's impossible. That is what Isaiah 55, 6-9 is in the Bible for, because His ways and His thoughts are not your ways and your thoughts. So quit trying to be skeptical about the God of heaven and believe it by faith. You say it's too good to be true. I know it is! And that's why it's milk and honey free! Because that's too good to be true, because my daddy told me there's no such thing as a free lunch, but Isaiah 55 says... There is a free lunch, and I'd break it if I could. There is a free lunch. There is a free lunch. He delights in mercy. Run to Him. I don't like to read about Adam and Eve. Why are they hid in the trees of the garden? Do you know the safest place was not back in there using their singer sewing machine on fig leaves? The best place in the garden was out there on the angles of Almighty God. Because He delights in mercy. There is a free lunch. It's the way God forgives us. And He's trying to tell us that. And He wants us to know that. I freely forgave thee 10,000 talents. Praise the Lord. 
Let me show you an example about his ways are not our ways. Jeremiah 3.1. They say, this is men. <laughs> this is the law of Moses. They say, if a man put away his wife, and she go from him, and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? No way. No way am I going to take some used sloppy seconds. No way. Shall not that land be greatly polluted? Yes, it would be if a man ever took back a wife like that. But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return again to me, saith the Lord. Amen. Now, now do you believe that his ways are better than your ways and his thoughts, your thoughts? Yes. Jeremiah 31. There's more. But there's not more time. But there's more. Brethren, there's so much more. Mercy and truth have met together. Grace and peace have kissed. Righteousness and righteousness and peace have kissed. Psalm 85.10. Because grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He is full of grace and truth. And it's kissed together in one being. He is full of it. He is full of grace. He's full of mercy. He abundantly pardons. You can go to him for any sin. You go to him for any sin more times than one. Manasseh sat in prison, the worst king that Judah ever had. And he humbled himself greatly. Now, where's he in prison? Is he in prison in Jerusalem? No, he's in prison in Babylon. What happened to him? He was pardoned by the God of heaven. And he was put back on his throne. No, wait. No, 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 no. You mean he was pulled out of prison and put back on his throne to be king of Judah again? No. Kings don't do that. Yes. Manasseh. Then he knew that the Lord was God. Because there's only one God like that. It's the one we worship. We get to come into his house and sing his praises. And you Gentiles better be rejoicing, and you better be praising, and you better be lauding him, all ye people. Because Romans 15 says that's what Gentiles who appreciate the truth do. And that's what Gentiles who fulfill Bible prophecy do. If you don't want to fulfill Bible prophecy, that's your call. I want to fulfill it. I want to praise him and sing and rejoice and joy and laud him. For the great God that he is and his ways are so far above our ways, we can't figure them out. I just need to help you believe them. And I need you to help me believe them. That no matter how greatly we sin, we can always go to our Father in heaven. And he'll see us coming from afar off and run and meet us. And forgive us. Micah 6. I'm ending. Micah 6. Some of you, this is your favorite verse. This is a favorite verse of many people. We were at Micah 7. Now it's time for Micah 6. There are people that learn this about God, and so they know how merciful God is, and they never live in fear again. Hezekiah had a problem. He wanted to observe the Passover, but it was too late. It was already February, second month of the year. The Passover has to be observed in the first month of the year. This is found for a couple of chapters in the book of Chronicles. He had a problem. He called for the Passover so quickly that the people couldn't sanctify themselves in time to eat the Passover properly. Two problems. They're, taking, they're breaking the calendar that God set for them by Moses, and the people aren't sanctified. Do you know what his prayer was and how long it was? Here it is. Get ready. The good Lord pardon everyone. Amen. How did he know he could do that? Hadn't Nadab and Abihu been burned up by fire for offering strange fire before the Lord? Didn't Uzzah get killed when he reached over to stop the trembling Ark of the Covenant on an ox cart? How did Hezekiah know he could say the good Lord pardon everyone? Because he understood the mercy of God. Amen. How did David eat the showbread? Because he understood the mercy of God. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. That's why we use the expression, if we're going to err... We don't want to err at all. But if we're going to err or make an error or have a fault, we're going to do it on the side of mercy. Right? Right? Right. Not on the side of judgment. Oh, that's God's strange work. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Oh, let's start at 6. Verse 6. I And I appreciate those of you who love this little passage. 
Micah 6, 6, wherewith shall I come before the Lord? What does God want us to bring to please him? And bow myself before the high God. What can I bring? What can I do? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Amen. What is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee? Do justly, be fair and right in all your dealings, love mercy, and walk humbly. But that loving mercy is what I want to get. It's what the Bible teaches us in both Testaments. It's what the Lord Jesus Christ showed to us. It's what God has shown to us every day of our lives. We live in the mercy of God. We live in the mercy of God by the nation we were chose to live in. We live in the mercy of God by having this church, having this Bible, having the truth preached to us, having a soul that loves the things of God. God has been merciful to us. And He delights in that mercy and He wants us to love mercy. The happiest people, the happiest families, and the happiest churches are those people who fully forgive and forget each other's offenses. We want that as a church. We want it as a family. I want it for my family. And I want it for my immediate little tiny family that's left at home to forgive, to pardon. I want it in my relationship with all of you. Try to hurt me. I'm just going to forgive you. That's what we all ought to be saying to each other. Because he abundantly pardons, therefore we ought to abundantly pardon. We should rejoice in it and be excited about forgiving. Embracing, receiving, restoring, celebrating it, forgetting, blowing it away. Don't Don't talk about that again. That's ancient history. It's under the blood. It's in the sea. It's gone. It's as far as the east is from the west. It's as high as the heaven is above the earth. How high is that? How far is the east from the west? Psalm 103, it's all there. It's about the forgiveness of sins that we have in God. There's many other places we could go. If you want peace for your family, if you want peace for your soul, if you want to please God, if you want to be like God, if you want to lift this church, your family, and your soul to a higher plane, then delight, love, rejoice, and celebrate mercy. Rejoice and sing over it. Rest in love. Trust the God who has that mercy, even if you can't understand it and it doesn't make sense to you. He doesn't try to make sense to you. If He made sense to you, none of us would make it to heaven. It's because it's grace, demerited favor. It's because it's mercy, the withholding of judgment that is due. That He is the great God and Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word. Amen.